the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 109, recorded Friday, September 20th, 2013. Inconceivable. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Yes, they still allow me to host this silly little show. How are you? Thanks so much for uh, listening, downloading, streaming it, as it were. Uh, with us this week is George Tucker, the engineering coordinator for World Stage. How are you, brother? All right. Good to be here. Good. Good to have you. Uh, also, we have a, a newbie with us this week. Uh, his name is Nick. Um, I almost said Nick. Never mind. Nick Miller. Uh, he is from... On-site AV. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, sir. Uh, actually, I almost said Nick Nolte, so that was why, kind of why I stopped. Uh, <laughs> there was a vision in my head of him and his his uh, mugshot. So uh, this week we're going to talk about Sure and some actually some cool t- training that they have uh, going on. Um, a plug fest that uh, involves some fiber and furniture. Yay! Because we all need furniture. Sure stuff. I don't know. It's an interesting story. Trust me. Uh, this comes to us. The the specific story, though, the first one we're going to kick it off with uh, is another passing we had. Um, Dr. Ray Dolby, founder and director emeritus uh, of Dolby Laboratories, passed away. George, this is the second one we've had in the last couple of in the last month. Uh, first, it was Dr. Amar Bose, and now Dr. Ray Dolby. First question is is kind of the obvious one. Uh, talk for a second about the impact that Dolby had on on the AV industry. Well, gosh, it's briefly. It's how, yeah, I know. How do you sum that up? <laughs> I mean, you know that the man has had such an influence when of when he of course shows up in all movies of all movies. Spinal Tap being referenced. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what is Dolby? What did he do? Okay, Dolby originally did basically making things quieter. How about that? He made things quieter. Uh, and if you don't know what Dolby really did, with at least in the tape days, is that it compressed audio signals to a point where they were down lower than one would expect into the noise floor or the noise of the actual natural tape. And then when you expanded it through this expansion process, it actually lifted it further away from the noise and gave you a much higher signal-to-noise ratio, at least the way it was perceived. Um, of course, he's done a lot more since then. Him and his organization with Dolby Sound on home surround sound theaters and, and things like that, which I don't think many, much of it would have happened without Dolby's input or his influence into making the things sound right. It is a uh, consumer side, and Dolby, who was readily going uh, into the uh, into the professional world and, and changed all that. All right, uh, Nick. It, as I mentioned, this is the second passing we've had, uh, both with with Bose passing away and now Dolby. Who is who is our modern day? I mean, who who is the modern day Dolby? Who who do we have, maybe in the ranks who are up and coming and can fill the shoes that that these two gentlemen left? You know, I'm not sure that we have a singular person uh, that can fill those roles and be a household name uh, like Bose and Dolby were. 
Um, the closest I could come up with would be maybe uh, George Feldstein with Crestron. Hmm. He, uh, um, obviously being the founder of Crestron, growing it from the bottom to where it is today, um, that would be the closest thing I could come up with today. Well, do you think, though, I mean, Feldstein is, yes, as far as an innovator, but he's not really a, a household name. He's a household, he's an AV quarters name. I mean, we, we all know who he is. Um, right, right, and that's that's the difficulty in naming someone because uh, Bose and Dolby were both able to achieve something that a lot of people in audio video haven't been able to achieve, and that's make their name a household name that consumers and everyone can recognize instantaneously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of one. Well, I, I was thinking of maybe, um, is it John Meyer from Meyer Sound? Uh, is it, his name, is his first name, is is John, right? I believe it is, yeah. Uh, I was thinking somebody like him, I mean, somebody who's, their, you know, their their name is their company and the company you know, is is their name type thing, the same way with Dolby and, and, um, and Bose. The only, other person I could think of is George Lucas with THX. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Although THX is not, you know, is not his name, but it is, you know, it is a a household name ish of sorts. I mean, when you go to the theater and you and you see that, you know, the THX sound and and any any Pixar movie you you watch, you 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 have the little THX uh, test uh, sound going on. Depending on which one you're watching, uh, they always do something fun with the with the sound. So that's the only mm-hmm. other, I, only only other one that I could think of. I don't know, but yeah, it is. It is sad. Uh, sad for him. Well, it, but, it, it's a rare thing that someone of that stature gets into the public consciousness. Yeah. Um. And and they've done it because they they affected. Is that the right word? So yes. much of what audio and video is to consumers, even if they weren't on the very high end, they knew about it. Even if they didn't understand what it did, they knew it made it better. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> right? it's like that BASF ad, right? You know, we don't make the the, we make it better. Yeah, yeah, sorry, BAS, BASF for, for you kids. That's a tape manufacturer. <laughs> Good do more than that. night. They're doing more than that. They have they have commercials everywhere. They're they're a multi-industrial, multi-corporate, something, something. Some, <laughs> yes, but the one you're referring to, I think, is a tape ad, if I'm not mistaken. So, all right, moving on from installation, installation international. Easy for me to say. Polycom is NATO's unified communications choice across Europe and North America. Uh, here's the question for you guys, and, and I'm going to ask, we'll start with you, Nick. Is it, does it say something about Polycom and maybe some of their security or their real presence platform, the fact that an international organization like NATO has you know put all their eggs in this one basket and said you know what we're we're going with polycom and does it say something about polycom or does it say something more about cisco slash tanberg uh well obviously it's a big win for polycom to have that uh notch on their belt uh and and be able to brag brag about that one for a while um i think it speaks to a bigger picture uh there's a lot of trepidation right now with all the different web conferencing platforms coming up and is it going to usurp uh the traditional video conferencing players and i think it just reinforces that there is still a huge need for highly reliable highly secure uh video conferencing technologies is it is that what it is though the the security of it i mean obviously nato is is concerned about security you were talking about military and you know uh movements here and and you know, you know the the geopolitical states, uh, state <laughs> state that they that we're in currently. Is that what they're looking for, though, more than anything? Oh, absolutely. 
Um, the fact that it's standards based and can operate uh, with it, multiple vendors uh, in the same field, um, and just the fact that it has uh, tried and true encryption capabilities, it's paramount to organizations like NATO. Uh, Mr. Tucker, what does it say about Polycom that that they uh, that the NATO has has rely, is relying on them for their secure uh, video conferencing? Well, I think there's twofold here. One is what you guys were talking about, which is the plethora of off-the-shelf or downloadable software-only systems not being as secure or safe. Uh, just look at the Zimmerman trial down in Florida when they were trying to depose a witness and they kept getting interrupted. Does anyone remember that one? <laughs> Did you guys see that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. During, during the trial, yeah. During the trial, they, they had, what, several phone calls trying to come in? I guess somebody was trying to prank the whole thing. But So that alone, as, as you said, Nick, was is, is a major reason you want to stay with a dedicated system. As to them comparing to the others, Polycom has been in government for a long time, and they're sort of the go-to name. Uh, beyond that, I, I think they have the wherewithal to make sure that they have high speed and secure. So all those factors together probably is a win-win for them they don't have they have a consumer line but i don't think that really mar- uh, matches into this at this point well maybe and, and i may be being naive and i'll admit that uh, on the outset here but in in my head i i see cisco in, in the acquisition of, of tanberg in their movement into into vc um most from my perspective again most network administrators view cisco as the go-to and so that's why I'm a little surprised, I guess, at, at, at the Polycom announcement here that, that it's Polycom and not Cisco. Or is that just me being naive and that the fact that, that the, the people that are concerned about security still haven't gotten on the bandwagon or still haven't gotten the recognition that, hey, you know what, Cisco's doing this too. Well, we've, yeah, seen, s- Cisco makes a, we've seen Cisco make some moves lately that weren't exactly what some would consider standards friendly. So I think uh, Polycom being committed to the H.323 video conferencing standard probably played a big role into the, in this. With as many endpoints as you can imagine NATO uh, needing to communicate with, that's going to be a big deal to them. Go ahead, George. Yeah, no, it's, it's, an, it's actually it was something around what Nick was going to say. It's a very interesting factor um, that I think Cisco has too far of a reach into the IT world to be trusted, if you ask me. Mm. Regardless that that Tamburg is a name that has a good history and reliability and has some of you know the same features and, and and core engineering, but I think that might work against them because Cisco is not seen by a lot of IT people beyond their backbone capabilities. Look, they bought Linksys. So what does that say about it and how do you differentiate that quality? when you're buying all of these consumer type brands and then you buy Tanberg, which really isn't a consumer brand. Hmm. I think to the, uh, there might be something there where someone instantly goes, well, Cisco bought it. I, I don't know. Wow. So almost like a, like a Cisco black backlash, you know, uh, a Cisco black eye when they, when they purchase you. Yeah, it could be. And again, I'm not trying to say anything against them at this I point. Know. I don't know, but I could see that happening especially with all the other acquisitions they've had and then dumped, and maybe that's even part of it. Cisco's bought a lot and dumped a lot, sort of Microsoft or Apple-like, for a couple <laughs> of years now. Like, oh, we liked it, no, go away. Or Facebook, more appropriately, Facebook, who bought lots of software things and then said, no, we're going to kill that. What are you talking about? I love my flip, my, my flip camera. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> or you know, we can even talk about things like FriendFeed, you know, which was a very good technology that it still was. exists and still out there. But they bought it, made Microsoft Lite, and then uh, Microsoft Lite, Facebook, Facebook Lite, Lite, and said. Uh, <laughs> the medicine's getting to me, um, and and then said, "Well, that didn't work out two months in." Bye bye, and just killed it. And I'm like, "Well, okay." Well, but yeah, but, but they could also do, you know, what Microsoft did, and when they purchased Skype, you know, check check one, we're still we're still working. Uh, we use Skype here, so um, you know, they they they've pretty much for the most part haven't, with the exception of updating it, they haven't really screwed with it that much. Um, I mean, I, honestly, I was expecting, you know, every few minutes on a Skype call. <laughs> to be interrupted with a Microsoft <laughs> ad of some sort, but that still hasn't, still hasn't has has yet to happen. So, well, and there's something to be said for not putting all your eggs in one basket. If and I'm speculating here, if NATO relies on Cisco's backbone networking equipment, maybe they want to use a different vendor for their video conferencing infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All righty, uh, from avnetwork.com, a plug fest, an impromptu, actually, as, as the um, the writer puts it, an impl- impromptu plug fest. Uh, happened with uh, with some AVB stuff, specifically the Fiberplex optical, optical converter uh, for AVB. It, it worked, is, is the whole gist of the story. Uh, George, are we getting to the point with AVB where, you know, and not just... Um, twisted pair because that that's been primarily the the infrastructure for it. We're getting are we getting to the place where, where fiber is becoming more and more needed? I guess for for AVB. Well, I would think so. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people I talked about AVB either talk about it in very precise environments, which are in installations, mostly corporate, but some some residential, and in a live sound environment, uh, uh, a la Yamaha's Dante mm-hmm. or. Yamaha using Dante. Um, and those are very limited scope kind of things, and they usually don't run very far. Yes, I know you talk to a sound guy, you know, I'm throwing at you know, a couple thousand feet, whatever, but not in the way that we're talking here, especially when they're talking about where this was done in Vegas and some of these bigger installations. You're talking not thousands of feet, but miles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which fiber can do fairly well. And, and it, I, don't, I think it's a natural extension. It has to be. Copper's great. Cat five is great for certain kinds of installations, but once you get to these big boys, it's big, big thing. I mean, has anyone been to the Las Vegas Convention Center? I mean, <laughs> you've 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 been to the Orlando one. That's big. The Las Vegas one outshines it, overwhelms it, consumes it. <laughs> well, well, not just the convention center, the hotels. I mean, yeah. that's that's the one thing that the first time I was in Vegas was actually at, at an Infocom. Uh, a few years ago, and I was just flabbergasted at the scope and size of the hotels. You're right, George. You're, you, even even if you're going, you know, r- floor to floor, you are talking about miles. Yeah, and and then there's the conversion process. It here says you're getting one type of AVB and saying I have to connect it to another network. This I think translates well even into the disparate disparate AVB systems that are may or may not be out there having a way to interconnect at some point. There's no translator here, but I think because they're supposed to be following a common protocol, (laughs) this may be a way of connecting different ones together and easing the transition and the path for AVB. Well, and the one thing about about that, though, the the testing lab that they have out out east will will help stuff like that, whether it's disparate ones or not. Once you have that AVB stamp, yes, this works, not you know th- this this impromptu plug fest notwithstanding that is actually the the one uh, the one place where it, the the AVB consortium has said you know what you want to make sure that your stuff works send it out to us 
um, and, and we'll put our little our little stamp of approval on it. Uh, Nick, is this are we are we at AVB's uh, development stage where we're going to start talking about different, like George said, different infrastructure uh, capabilities because of the need of places like Vegas and obviously other large uh, large convention venues? Absolutely, it's just it's the natural progression of things, um, and outside of the distance limitations of copper. Um, you have newer buildings that are going up that have plenty of fiber vertic- going up the building vertically, but not necessarily a whole lot of copper. So I think this gets AVB one step closer into mainstream adoption to be able to say, okay, we've got 25 strands of fiber available for you, but we don't have any copper. What can you do for us? <laughs> if you're buying 25 strands of copper, it better come with something because I wrote a blog post a few weeks ago. I love fiber. Do not misunderstand. I absolutely love fiber, but holy cow, it's expensive. Uh, actually, I'll ask you guys both this, and Nick, we'll, we'll start with you. When will we get to the point where fiber is ubiquitous and fiber is the go-to, uh, not only in installations but also in, in price? Because the one thing about fiber is not only is the infrastructure on the expensive side when you compare it to copper. Yes, it can go farther. I get that. Uh, but also the endpoints are markedly more expensive. When will we get to the point where you can go out and run run out to, to Lowe's and buy a thousand spool for two hundred bucks? I think that's the uh, million dollar question in our industry. Um, I think different manufacturers have been waiting for that day for years and years and years. Um, there's a major manufacturer that every time we get a visit from their rep, that all they want to talk about is their fiber extenders and fiber translators. Um, but the cost structure just isn't there yet. Um, at least in our house, we're not, we're not running distances that absolutely require it. And we don't have the security uh, constraints that require fiber. So obviously with cost savings, copper is our go-to. Um, when it's going to happen, I, I, I don't know. I've been, I've been waiting at least five to eight years for someone to answer that question, and it, it still doesn't seem to be on the horizon. No, no, it doesn't. George, do you have a, you get your crystal ball out and tell us, you know, when, when that's going to happen? I think sooner than you're saying, actually, Nick. Uh, in the live events world, many of us are using fiber now as a standard transmission line. I think hmm. the, the, and this is the case where the commercial environments will lead residential. In a lot of ways, residential has always led the commercial guys because what residential does sort of pushes the envelope a little harder, a little faster than the commercial ones because you have clients who want something special. They want it to do this. In commercial, we have a standard set of ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. That's a boardroom. That's a this. You know, aside from some little thing we have to work out and work around, it's pretty much a, a boilerplate systems. You right. know, you've got, you got your, your DVD, you've got well, your content source, your monitor, your control, your lights, your, tele, your teleconferencing. Done. Yep. Everything so, in between is just tweaking. <laughs> um, but these buildings are getting fiber in them. As you said, the vertical fiber is going into a lot of these new buildings. And whenever something's retrofitted, they're putting in fiber because it will be a good future proving for data systems, especially here in places like New York. We are big on trying to get startups and tech firms in. What you need is fiber. And they had a lot of trouble wooing Google because until they found a building which sat right on top of the the, the bloody uh, uh, fiber hub, <laughs> they were kind of doubtful. Hmm. So that will lead that. And as we become more familiar with fiber in those environments and the cost 
of those comes down because we're using it more, that's when you'll start to see it in residential. As as to your question, Tim, a spool at Lowe's or Home Depot, 10 years, I think. Really? And the reason I, reason I ask that, because think about it, guys. I mean, 20, you know, we're, the internet is 20 some odd years old, right? They, they, right. they, pub, you know, they made it public in the, in the early 90s. Um, and even back then, you couldn't go to Lowe's and, and get, you know, a spool of, of Cat5, probably. So that's, the, I guess that's why I'm, I'm asking it. The, the way I'm asking it is when it's going to be ubiquitous enough to where guys, Home Depot, you know, Home Depot guys, you know, DIY guys, uh, are going to be able to go and and you know get get a get get a spool of, of fiber maybe not two hundred bucks maybe three hundred bucks and 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 get a decent um, cleave machine that's not going to you know require you to do all of the uh, all of the polishing and everything that they had to do thirty years ago but a simple a simple device to make the ends that's not going to cost you twenty thousand dollars or even five thousand dollars that's that's kind of where I'm going because that's when when guys like me that work in education that's when we will get in on the, on the gig. Yes, there are, are certain installations. You put up a new building, and you can fit it in the budget. Knock yourself out. Absolutely, put fiber in. But when you do retrofits, uh, like like George was saying, and, or you do refreshes, and you're looking at the cost, and you're like, okay, I need to do 70, 60 rooms this, this summer, and I have X amount of dollars, I could absolutely do fiber. But I'm not going to do 80 rooms. I'm going to do 40 or maybe even 30, depending on the cost. Uh, and and so that's why I'm kind of like anxiously, you know, patiently awaiting that and OLED, and, and uh, an OLED screen, um, that so where we can get to the point with fiber that it is as ubiquitous as as Cat Five, Cat Six, whatever, you know, some sort of twisted pair infrastructure, where it's not going to be cost prohibitive, where we could do apples to apples, comparing it to to copper, and and then then it's not a question, then the decision is not monetary, it's performance, right? It's what 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 in, what do you really need for this installation? Yeah, I mean, good. I mean, Nick, you you might be able to answer this better than me, but in in the home, it's going to take a point where it's not just the very high end home, but it's the middle market homes that can take fiber. When you'll see that happen, exactly. when the big high end homes were getting Cot five and copper systems and, and Ethernet based controls or you know devices, the mid market homes were not. And you still couldn't buy some of that stuff. But until it reaches that point where they're not just putting it in the you know, 100,000 square foot homes in these big palatial uh, communities, but in the mid-market homes, then you'll see it. Because you still got a lot of homes. Like, look at the Northeast. You don't find very many new homes in that sense. You find a lot of very old homes. And mm-hmm. even if they've been updated to be not plaster but sheetrock and uh, – you know, with that and get all that middle stuff out of there, all that little one by threes they used to use. You still aren't really wiring much in there because it just takes too much work. And right. the new build market has to catch up. We're in a bad economy. The housing market's still trying to get itself back up on its feet. New builds are up, so they say, but not in any way that would affect something like this. So we've I mean, got a good number of years. Yeah, uh, my house, for instance, was built in 2004, and the uh, the person that originally built the house with the builder, quote unquote, uh, wired it for network and surround sound. Well, that uh, to them that equaled four network drops in random places throughout the house. So mm-hmm. even as recently as 2004, uh, mid-market homes uh, have been kind of lacking in technology. So yeah, exactly what you said, uh, George. The it's going to take a while for the building market to catch up. 
Now, one product that we have been using actually quite a bit lately, uh, utilizing fiber, was uh, we saw this at Infocom this last this last year was the Celerity uh, HDMI over fiber cables. It's a pre-terminated piece of fiber that you can specify up to a thousand foot, and that each end looks like a little micro USB connector. You power it via USB on each end, and you can pull it all day long. Hmm. Uh, and, it, and it's roughly the same price as doing uh, an extender, transmitter, and receiver set using HD base T. It's been a really good product for oh. us. See, and that's what I'm talking about. The, the, where, the, where the cost then is equivalent, or, you know, somewhat equivalent to to using something else. So I don't know. We'll get there. Trust me. <laughs> uh, from SVC Online, actually, our buddy uh, Bennett Lyles is right. Wrote a piece about several pieces of technology furniture. But the, the one I'm talking about though is the Altenex cable nook nook and it's a very nice piece uh, of of equipment <laughs> that's not that's not where I'm, I'm going with this i'm not going to slam the the little uh, insert but it got me to thinking uh and here's here's where i go with this uh george are we not not are we but w- when will we get if ever to the place where av furniture and av little hookups like this uh, no longer matter where you know what it's it we're we're wireless or, or or somewhat wireless to where stuff like this just doesn't just doesn't do it anymore i think that's a bigger question than you think you asked actually <laughs> 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 you know the uh, princess bride i don't think that means what you think it means inconceivable um, <laughs> uh, well, I see that's a hard question because first you mentioned you know when do we not need these things, and then you mentioned wireless, and those are very complex questions. Well, right? they are, but the, don't they go to hand in hand? I mean, the, the reason I ask that because once we get to a stable wireless audio and video, then these little insert nooks into boardroom uh, uh, tables will no longer be as attractive as they are now. <sighs> Or am I am I wrong? Well, you know, I mean, I, I I've often wanted. I've wanted you can tell I've me often I'm wrong. Stated, well, I, it's it's a hard one because here's what I can say to you: you know as well as I do, and Nick knows this, and I think everybody listening knows this, that wireless communications of any sort is one of the single greatest conveniences ever bestowed upon us for installation or data transfer. It is also the most unreliable <laughs> we've ever developed. Right. Because it is fraught with interference issues, especially in urban or even semi urban areas. So relying completely on all of that, when the FCC still can't get its act together on the open white spaces and selling off frequencies and getting things done five years after they said they'd all be sold and in operation, they're still not sold. The wired and form factor fit into a piece of furniture is still going to exist. So you want that hard wire. We still don't have wireless power. Tesla didn't make it happen, and we still can't make it happen without cooking the skin off of a rabbit. But you, uh, you, you need these things because we're going to continue to utilize this kind of thing. We just stopped. We started talking. Stop talking about uh, fiber. Fiber is going in the buildings. That's the next step because we're still going to rely upon a quote-unquote hard-wired connection. It's light, but it's still hard-wired. It's yeah. still a form factor. Um, so as much as it would be nice to say to guys like you and, and community colleges and the such that that expense, that little added thousand dollars of this GAC over and above the cost of the gear has to be installed. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Not not for the reliable has to haps to work. 
Okay, so Nick, we'll, we'll, I'm going to ask you this, and, and George, you can you can interrupt if if you have a thought on this. How long have we been doing wireless mics? Thirty years. Uh, yeah, thirty years, forty, you know, thirty ish. Let, let's say let's let's agree somewhere in the eighties, right? Um, yeah. some guys were, were messing around with it in the seventies, but, but but really, but um, we we were really getting into it around the eighties. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. We we think nothing of of throwing at least you know I don't throwing a, a wireless transmitter and receiver into a system. It's just kind of something that we do, right? We turn it on, we expect it to work. It's none of this, you know hoo-ha and and you have to stand a certain way and you know this that and the other so in my elementary mind we will eventually get there when it comes to video because yes the first wireless mic systems were for crap they they were fraught with all sorts of of issues and yes currently georgia right the fcc is still sitting on their hands when it comes to the the uh, uh the frequency issues that we're having but eventually, won't we get to the point where, you know, where we can handle the bandwidth going back and forth? I'm not talking about 8K. I'm just talking about regular, you know, 720p and, and sending a, you know, sending a, a computer signal over the air. I, I think anyone that uses the word never in that case is kidding themselves. Well, of, course, of course, we'll eventually get there. Um, it's just a matter of when. Uh, obviously... The bandwidth requirements for a single channel of audio uh, are quite different than a seven, even a 720p or 1080p video signal with multi, multi-channel audio and, and all the bells and whistles that come along with it. Um, so, like George said, for the foreseeable future, there are going to be physical connections, which will then beget the need for furniture. Uh, and, and that's a battle that we constantly have uh, with our clients is we're brought in to design and build a fully uh, integrated turnkey system. And then, oh, yeah, oh, by the way, this is the table you have to work with. And it's a solid block of some exotic walnut. <laughs> and, uh, and it costs $100,000. <laughs> exactly. To where someone's afraid to set a napkin down on top of it. So uh, anything that manufacturers in the AV industry or associated with the AV industry can do to bring our side of things to the furniture and design table. Uh, I'm all for. It's not the uh, it's not the sexiest product to sell, but anytime we can get our hands in earlier into the actual physical integration of what we do in a room, the better. All right. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll develop it myself. How about that? And I'll, <laughs> and I'll sell Jim. it to Sennheiser. Well, and as much as yes. as Go much ahead. as I'd like to get on the uh, as much as I'd like to get on the Apple TV slash Chromecast bandwagon, I've I've seen what uh, what it takes to implement in a corporate environment, especially oh, it's in a, horrible in a corporate network with high high security levels. It, it you have to jump through more hoops than it's than it's worth just to get signal from an iPad to a display. Well, it, it's, by, it, that, by that time, you could have set a laptop down on the table and connected via HDMI. Well, it, it's not just the tricks that you have to do. You have to get in bed with, not in bed, but you have to play nice with the IT guys because they have to perform some tricks as well. Exactly. I know. Go ahead, George. Well, I was going to say that, first of all, you said, you know, the video wirelessly. Do you recall what I call wireless video? Mm-mm. Brundlefly? Oh, yes. Mm. That's been a few years. It, it can work, but it's all about proximity, isn't it? In a house where I'm sending it from the box downstairs to the master bedroom upstairs, sure. 
But if we're talking a campus, you're really relying now on microwave. I mean, there are campuses that use microwave to transmit stuff between, you know, buildings and stuff. But that's really expensive technology. <laughs> no. I mean, it makes, makes fiber look cheap, right? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, comparatively. But th that's where it comes down to. I mean, and you also need the ergonomics. Let's, let's even not pass up that. A lot of these pieces of furniture, a lot of these, uh, the, these systems are made so it's not just a clutter on the side. It's not just this wireless box Velcro to the top of an existing piece of furniture or a desk. It, it, in many cases, it's designed to increase your workflow and make the workflow work right. So there is an advantage there. Absolutely. No, that, then that's that's that that's that's valid. Absolutely. I'll still develop it myself. <laughs> uh, you're listening to AV Week. That gentleman right there that I'm arguing with is George Tucker. Uh, also, this is Nick Miller uh, from Onsite AV. Uh, this is from like Lifehacker. Six sweet things you can automate with NF NFC and your Android phone. That's the article we're going to reference here. Uh, but George, what we're really going to talk about are just the fact that NFC, uh, and by the way, iPhone still doesn't have it. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It, are we are we to a point where we're going to be able to start tr not tracking you because that's you know libertarian in me just hates that but uh, you know you walk into a room or a professor walks into a classroom and the control system senses that it's Professor Jones and does all the presets and lowers the screen and does that and this that and the other are we to the point yet where control systems are going to be able to start interacting with NFC? I think we're already there. Okay. Uh, I think a number of NFC devices let you do certain things at this point. Look at the scientific and research community with their their little ID tags. A lot of times they just need to put it up against the door and the lights turn on and the equipment does what it's supposed to do and, and some stuff like that. So it's not a far stretch that NFC technology and readers could be implemented. I mean, again, it's just a string coming out at the end, right? So it's something we can parse and tell what to do with. Um, I, I just uh, as to acceptance again. iPhones, the 800 gorilla in the room. They're with their what is it called? Drop Air or AirDrop or mm -hmm. something of that nature. They're calling it. So maybe it won't be NFC. Maybe it'll be AirDrop or Drop Air. Uh, but I think we are getting very close to my dream of having one device in my pocket that does everything I need it to do, on at least that basis. We can have the argument about, you know, you want a physical thing in your hand for doing a specific feature at certain times, like controlling the TV. Um, but I I really like that idea that NFC will, or something like it will allow us to have a common device that allows us to control things and make it work the way we want it to without having to really find a button or find a switch. Yeah, we're we're absolutely there already. The current crop of AMX touch panels have NFC readers built into them. We're already implementing uh, specific UI changes uh, in our systems depending on who badges into the system, um, hmm. doing th doing things like that. So you have uh, a technical admin that walks into a boardroom to set up a meeting. They get every bell and whistle that imaginable. They they check out and let the CEO walk up to the room and one button for start is presented. So uh, we're already there in that regard. And beyond that, um, NFC tags with uh, Android phones a they're cheap. They're about a quarter a piece. I've got I've got them stuck all around my house and I've uh, I've been doing some experimentation with uh, 
let's say things like uh, brushing my phone up against the security keypad uh, in, in, right inside the door. Instead of entering in my PIN, it not only disarms the security system, it sees, reads what time of day it is, okay? Uh, turn on the lights, turn on music, turn on the TV to a specific channel, doing those sorts of things automatically depending on whether it's my phone, my wife's phone, like I said, what time of day, all those sorts of things. So we're there in the developmental stage. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time before it starts rolling out to the at least the higher end systems. Is it an issue the fact that the the N in NFC stands for near? I mean, is it where uh, like the doorway is going to be have to be charged with something, uh, and, and as you walk through, it's it's going to be able to read, or is it, are we are we still going to be stuck with you know there's a a plate somewhere that you have to take your phone up to? Uh, for, for the time being, it, it, the, the tags that I'm using are completely passive so they can be stuck anywhere, but okay. it, it is a physical contact uh, between your device and the tag, and let's be honest, it's not just tap it against it and walk away. It, it, there's a couple seconds there where it has to verify and read the tag, and so it's not without its pitfalls, but... Um, I think the dream, as George was talking about, is getting closer and closer. Yeah. Well, I also think that the near field is what you want. You want it to be near. Uh, maybe not to the point where you have to touch the actual physical plate that the, the receiver is on. Uh, and like my, was it my speed pass? Yeah. Mobile One speed pass. As you said, Nick, I have to hold it up there and hold it not too far away, but not too close. And for a, mo a couple of seconds for it to light up and say, yes, this is active. Uh, I've had to do it a couple times where I put it up, it lit, I pulled it away too fast, and it just shut it right back down again. So I think for your set, you know, again, your libertarian fears and your libertarian idealism that you, you referenced, this is what you want if we're going to go this way because then it cannot be hijacked as easily. I mean, Bluetooth can be hijacked, anything can be hijacked, but this gives a measure of protection so that you don't have to worry about it broadcasting everywhere or someone rolling up and being able to read it unless they're right on top of you. George, you've obviously yeah. never never worked with a professor before. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> want it to be instantaneous. Yeah, well, I, well, and for all practical purposes, uh, let's say in your house, if you were walking from room to room with your device, triggering different things one after another, just because you're walking from room to room with something in your pocket, it it's going to get overwhelming and a little bit obnoxious at some point. Whereas if you have a small tag on your nightstand that you just set your phone on at the end of the night and it shuts down the entire house, turns on night lights, does that sort of thing. That is a relatively passive action that you can do that bears a whole lot of control. Yeah, that, and that makes sense too. I, I still want it instantaneous for the professors though. Uh, <laughs> ProAudioCentral.com. This is not a commercial, but it was something cool that kind of caught my eye. They have something called Pass, the Pro Audio Social Stream. Uh, they have an Apple app for it now, and it allows you to connect your past profile to a, a Facebook account. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to read the whole thing. It's kind of interesting. And, well, it's a social network for, for AV guys, for AV people. <laughs> uh, Nick, did you get a chance to check it out, and what did you think? Uh, I I, I read the article. I don't have an iOS device to check it out, but my impression it was, have we reached social media saturation yet when we have social networks inside of social networks? Um, while, I, while I love being able to interact with industry people, I'm just, 
I think this is a solution looking for a problem at at some point. Wheels within wheels, Nick. Wheels within wheels. <laughs> George is is Nick right? We're, we've got social networks inside of social networks. Was this kind of cool? I think it's actually kind of cool. I, I see Nick's point that it becomes a lot of white noise, and but this is a very specific foundation. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. This is a very specific grouping that you'd want that information from so you join groups on linkedin because you want to be able to communicate and see ideas about what you want not just the general news that's happening say like on twitter with your followers or anybody you follow um and and, and to that end when you guys say wheels within wheels remember wheels within wheels actually means clockwork to me <laughs> i see clockwork which means i have a way of relating things and connecting them and reacting to things that i wouldn't have had otherwise if that wheel within a wheel wasn't there so, yes, it can be a lot of white noise, but if this is what you want, and I knew nothing about PASS, and I still know very little about it at this juncture, even after the article, I think that more organizations and more industries getting that type of communication that encapsulate it in one side, which is sort of isolating back to the old BBS days, but also gives you that ability to expand it out to a larger audience or a larger uh, set of contacts is what you want from that because the more information the more people know about that kind of industry even some of the infighting the better off they are about thinking oh i do want that from my home oh that is something a technology that we probably should utilize so i don't have an issue with it at all yeah i, I just i thought it was kind of cool so <laughs> uh last but not least i'm not really sure this is just kind of let you guys know and if you want to comment on it cool uh, sure launches an industry education challenge. Dun, dun, dun. I need to tell my buddy Michael about this. Uh, oh. Michael is a rep for Sennheiser, so maybe they should step up to the challenge. Uh, the manufacturer will, will match combined donations to the NSCA Education Foundation up to $25,000. Uh, quote, our company has always placed a high priority on being a good corporate citizen said Sandy LaMentia, president and CEO of Sure. It's something that Mr. Sure established from the very beginning of the company and today remains as one of the core values. We are also deep, deeply committed to education. Uh, George, we have talked about education on this show almost since episode one. This is, for me, and, and I'm not going to get into what microphones I like or, or whatever. Um, I'm using an EV320 for crying out uh, or, uh So... Um, <laughs> <clears throat> this is something cool, and it, regardless of the manufacturer, regardless of the products that they sell, a manufacturer is stepping up and saying, you know what, guys, education is important in this industry. Staying on top of things and staying informed and staying educated well past your, CTS, well past your CTSD or whatever, whatever uh, certifications you have, you have to stay uh, abreast of what, what's going on in this, in this industry. I think that is something... That is commendable, at least, um, regardless of what they sell. I, I think it's commendable uh, for sure to, to do this. Absolutely. So, um, I, I, do, I, I do agree with you. And that a major manufacturer is getting behind it in a, in a major way with a major organization, I think, is a good thing as well. The, the thing I love about this is that they say they're reaching out to students. Uh, and, I, and again, I may not have read this as completely as I should have, but I don't think it was talking about high school students. I think it was talking about college-level students. Yeah. Um, which is a great, great thing. We need, first of all, we need more youth in this industry. Lord knows we need more youth in this industry. And I want something even more, though. I would love to see Shure and NSCA and the other organizations reach out to the high school students. 
Because here's something that I've noticed with these things is that when you give them these skills, especially even the college, even the guys in the industry, when you start to start to teach them, the one big thing that a lot of these guys fear, of course, is the dreaded math part, right? Mm -hmm. Even when talking digital math, which is just a truth table, and they all get up, all everybody, even the older guys get all cringy. <laughs> it's like math, oh no. But if you remember taking math in high school, unless you were really, really into math or you just had a natural aptitude for it, they gave you examples of things that just didn't really have an application in your world. Ergo, the high school students, common complaint, never going to use this stuff once I graduate, man. What a minute, can we learn it? Well, I don't know if I had quite that, that, that attitude, but when I went to trade school and they started on algebra, it was after they had taught me about all the other physical stuff that I needed to know about. Angle of incidence is equal to the angle of reflection, or reflection is equal to the angle of incidence. All this math that when they brought in the algebra and some of the geometry, it made sense finally. And if you can find a way to get these kind of lessons into high school via Shore, via these, these companies, and be able to teach the math, but also have a whole potential stream of new people who would be interested in getting into the integration or AV world because of that, I think it's a win-win situation, no matter how you slice it. It would be interesting. I, I'm aware of a couple of different um, types of programs throughout different high schools, at least in, in our area. area. Uh, years ago, when I was in high school, they were called trade schools or, or trade programs. And it's something where, you know, when I was in high school, that's where I got involved in AV for the first time in my life. It was theater, uh, but it was still an theater is an extension of AV. And you can argue with me about that later, <laughs> later if you want. But uh, that's where I was first introduced to a soundboard and to a light board and to, you know, uh, doing different things with with all that. And if yeah, you're right, George, if someone would have said, you know what, here's some algebra and here's an application for it. Uh, I, I think that would be a, a, a big boom. So, all right, guys, uh, that is our last story for the week. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Nick Miller has been here. He is the systems design and designer and programmer for Onsite AV. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, where can people find you? On Google Plus and Twitter, handle is Nick Mill, N-I-C-K-M-I-L. Yeah, Nick is actually one of the most more prolific Google Plusers that I know. He's on a, <laughs> in, in a couple of my circles, and he, he always has something. Uh, also, George Tucker has been here. He is the engineering coordinator for World Stage and the left side of my brain. <laughs> Which is unfortunate for you. Jeez. I, hey, you I, saying it. I know. Yes. How yeah, can and people as find knows, you? Uh, if it's on social media, I'm there. It's Tucker Twos, T-U-C-K-E-R-T-U-E-S. Uh, and I am everywhere else. I write. You'll find me. You write. Shit, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You can't read, but he can write like the Dickens. That's uh, true. My name is Tim Albright. Uh, if you want to follow me, it's TD, Tim David Albright on Twitter. Uh, but more importantly, please go by the website. Uh, the guys that do it are working awfully hard on it. Uh, it's looking, it, it's getting better. How about that? Uh, it's not quite done yet, so please excuse our mess. Uh, avnation.tv, avnation.tv, you'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, I was joking with George uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, he is producing a number of other ones. We've got two brand new uh, projector shows, a Pico projector show, as well as uh, as Projection Freak with uh, Jeff Gooch. Uh, also coming up next week, uh, DIY, we have a new one of those, uh, an education-based uh, podcast called EdTech, uh, social media, all sorts of other things. Please go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. 
all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>